Third year, Eli, Smelly, and myself moved into the apartment-style residences with four bedrooms and its own kitchen and living room. We also had a fourth roommate who was a year ahead of us. He was in business school, Ford. Ford was a serious student. He was immaculately organized. It definitely was a surprise to the three of us when we moved in to find him in room number four. He kept to his room pretty much all the time as we had commandeered the entire living area. Smelly and Eli were messy, real messy. They didn't like to clean up or perhaps know how to or care. I liked to cook. I knew how to clean. It got frustrating for me when shit started to pile up and you couldn't do anything in the kitchen. I can only imagine how Ford felt. That fall, coming back from a full summer of work and a lot of time on the top deck of the fishing boat to ponder life, I had found myself. I would hang two flags up in my room. I'd hang up the Sri Lankan national flag and a Scottish rampant lion flag. I've never gotten a tattoo. I did, for quite some period, want to get a tattoo on each shoulder of the two lions. In the end, I felt it was too cliché. On September 11th, 2001, just after 9.11 a.m., at 9.37, Ford would wake me up. He knocked on my door, an unusual thing for anyone to do in the morning hours. I was still sleeping. Huh? What's up? I managed to get up as he rapped with his knuckles on my door. You might want to see this, he said. I got up and went to the living room. He was standing in our living room with CNN on the channel. It was showing smoking twin towers. The headline on the lower thirds read, America under attack. This should be interesting, I thought to myself as I got dressed for my Poly 210 comparative politics class. There was an unusual buzz around campus getting into the classroom. You could feel the energy. The class was full. I guess a lot of people were interested in politics today, unsurprisingly. I enjoyed this class. We went through different countries and talked about their political systems. It was an interesting class. Our professor was from Israel. Today, right at the start of class, he comes in and starts with a different opening than is usual. I know a lot of news has come out this morning and a lot of you are wondering what's going on. But I think in the interest of the fact the issue is unfolding, we will refrain from discussing it today. Wow, strange, I thought to myself. Why would you not talk about an issue like this in a politics class? Seems like it would be interesting to discuss who's behind it, no? That's what I thought, at least. There were murmurs among the class. You could tell there were others that were disappointed we wouldn't be discussing it. By my third year, I had given up already on computer science. I had already earned five fails in my first two years. I was more interested in politics. It was the way the world worked in my mind. I wanted to find out more about how it worked. It felt much more aligned with my past. That semester, I couldn't work out with Eli anymore. My tendonitis in my elbows prevented me from lifting heavy weights. It was a bummer. I was ripped from the tree planting. And because I had been taking creatine and hydroxycut, I had newfound strength. I bawled a lot that fall. 
That summer, I had changed my body considerably. I noticed my performance improve on the court. And combined with my lessons in intensity, I had a new invigoration for basketball. I had gained some quickness. The increased athleticism led to an improved jumping ability, and I developed a real jump shot, getting elevation into my spring and releasing the ball at my peak. My game was still improving. The basketball dream was still very alive and strong. Someone else I enjoyed hanging out with was J-Man. J-Man resonated a lot with me. He was mixed race too. He was half Chinese, half white, but he looked more white, I would say. He had hazel eyes, which is unusual. Anyway, J-Man may have been the best guitarist I had ever met. He went to Camosun and worked at a squash racket store. He was a solid guy. He'd come over and we'd session. He could play songs like Little Wing, sick. I loved watching him play. You could see him get into flow state. I wished at the time I could play guitar like that. I went out and bought an acoustic guitar. I started listening to a lot of rock or guitar-based music. Again, I thought maybe I could do that. I just need to get into it. I tried again. I couldn't. During that fall, I would get a highly unusual monk visit me. It was weird. We were on campus in the fourth floor and top of the building. I was home alone. This monk was a Hare Krishna monk. I knew this originated from India, as my ancestry lay in Sri Lanka. I had visited ancient Buddhist sites in Sri Lanka. Buddhism had been influential in my life. The concept of karma and a dharmic wheel with reincarnation and nirvana pulled me in. I was interested and welcoming to this visitor. I had been cooking fried rice. I offered him some food. I didn't have money to give him. I knew monks sometimes ate what people gave them, in Buddhism at least. He seemed to appreciate my act of generosity, but kindly declined. He could have been vegetarian. I had just used chicken in my fried rice. Did he smell it? He would leave a book of his beliefs with me. That semester, I would also start doing research at the library into Zen Buddhism from Japan. It was fascinating. It talked about cones and meanings, meanings behind the language. For me, it was the start of the rabbit hole. It was esoteric. I was enthralled and captivated. Lord of the Rings came out that year, and it was a big deal. We all blazed up and went to see it. I think the movie had a lot of different symbology embedded in it. The world was changing amidst us. There was something about this movie that struck a chord in me. When I was younger than five years old, while I was still living in Newfoundland, before I lived in other countries, there was a game I played by myself. The first time I did it, I was uniquely seated on a rock. The game consisted of me closing my eyes and repeating a phrase several times. Then, upon opening my eyes, it was as if I was entering my body for the very first time. All the visual imagery would be processed in a different way, momentarily, while I was separated from the eye. It made me feel there was more to life than blood and flesh. 
there was something beyond the physical and mental. It was my first transcendental experience. I also was not sold on what was unfolding with the shift towards terrorism. Signs started popping up. This was not right. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. Literally, I started paying attention to everything. Little things, sounds, lights, things that went by. What does it mean? Why did that bird fly across me? Did someone put that there? Are they talking to me? I was asking myself unusual questions, and I was becoming pretty sensitive to everything that was going on. I had kind of got sick of living with Eli and Smelly. It started when I felt I couldn't take a girl over to our place because it was too messy. It was frustrating. I decided to just move out. I had had enough of living with Eli and Smelly. It was not cool at our place. I decided the following semester I would move in with a couple of chill dudes, G-Dog and Nippy. They had a cool house off campus. There was something unusual about these guys. I think it had something to do with the feng shui of their place. Were these guys Zen masters? I wondered about what I had recently read and the layout of G-Dog's room. Something was drawing me to that house. Off campus was another world. Sure, I left to go downtown, but living off campus was an exciting new opportunity. During exams that December, I started stressing really hard. I got super worked up. I had five fails accumulated up to that point. It was then I realized that if I acquired one more fail, I would be kicked out of UVic. I would have to go to a community college for a year before being allowed back. I thought of my father. I started to panic. That Christmas when I went home, I was convinced I had failed an exam and I was going to get kicked out of university. I went to Pier 2 Imports and bought a couch for my parents for Christmas. It was an odd gift. It would get delivered. It was expensive. My money had burnt through fast that semester. That was another issue. Would that be enough to hide my failure? I started to think about my father and all the things that could happen then. My mind was racing out of control. The whole situation with the terrorists attacking New York didn't add up in my mind. I felt like I was being called to do something about it. When we went back home for the holidays, the high school guys would meet up. During the Christmas break, we would be going to a party at a fellow Southridge Junior's house. Match. Match was two grades below my grade. He had cool hair in school in my days. I heard that his mom had ironed it every day for him. That was a rumor. Unusual, right? He had really curly hair. His house was sick. Everybody was drinking. Hip-hop music was being played. Parents had sanctioned all this. They were even home somewhere. So cool of his parents, I thought. Match just had something different going on. I could tell. I approached Match. Match took me out to his lowrider and we sat inside. Holy shit, this kid had a bong in his lowrider. It had hydraulic suspension. Dope. I thought. No one in my grade was this cool. I was super impressed. This kid had the life. His parents endorsed this. How, I wondered. They must approve. They gave it the green light. An alarm bell went off in my head. The path of righteousness had cleared the seas for me. 
There was no stopping it. I was acting super weird that night. I wonder if anyone could tell something was up with me or they just thought I was high. Bud is good. Bud is from nature. Bud is a gift from God. The next day, I would feel empowered by my attendance at Match's party. It was a sign. This was big. I needed to speak to someone who had some power. I decided to call the White House and tell them something fishy was going on. Could I really get a hold of the president? I wondered. I had to try. I dialed the operator. Operator? How may I help you? Yes, could you connect me to the White House, please? In Washington, D.C.? I said in a serious tone. Just one moment. The line went silent. I hung up. They aren't just going to speak to anyone. You may need to do this in person, I thought. I tried to figure out what I could do with my limited resources. I had enough money to get to California, I figured. I know. I'll fly to L.A. and go to the basketball game on Christmas Day and make an announcement there. This was prophetic. It fell in the moment. I couldn't give up. It will be broadcasted live. Perfect. How will I get on court, I wondered. They've courtside security, I thought. I blocked it out of my mind. I'm smart. I can figure something out when I get there, I told myself. Somehow, I had tied in the world events together into my own timeline. Perhaps it was the Lord of the Rings and the desire for a quest or the lack of direction, the impending doom from being booted out of university. I had made it my mission to do something. I packed a bag, some clothes, my Lord of the Rings book, my hydroxycut pills, and my basketball. Now to get to the airport. I couldn't ask my parents. Hmm, I need help. Who can I call? Bone Rock. One of the things I admired about Bone Rock, he was consistent. I knew if I called him up and asked him to come get me, he would, without asking why, which was definitely important in this situation. A friend in need is a friend indeed, as the saying goes. Bone Rock would not fail me. I was in need. He did not know what was going on. If I was going down, nothing would happen to him. He was innocent, I figured. That was pretty much as far as I had planned. I picked up the phone again. I dialed his number. I still had it memorized from high school. In those days, I had all my friends' phone numbers memorized. Bone Rock answered semi-promptly. Hello, he said, sounding sleepy. Bone Rock was a bit of a monotone guy. Hey man, can you come pick me up? I said, getting straight to the point. Sure, he replied. Bone Rock was probably my high school friend I called the least thought about that for a second. Bone Rock would pull up at the end of my driveway approximately 30 minutes later. I was waiting. I barreled down the stairs and barged through the front door. Bone Rock had gotten out of his 91 white Volkswagen Jetta and was walking to the front door. My parents were confused and did not know what was going on. I passed right by Bone Rock and jumped into his vehicle, threw my bag into the passenger seat and hit it in a reverse. I'm pretty sure I peeled out of my driveway in Bone Rock's car. I can't imagine what was going through Bone Rock's head at that moment. I know my parents must have been shocked. No one had gotten any explanation. There was no time. I imagined Bone Rock shrugging his shoulders and throwing out an, I don't know, to my parents. My parents must have been freaking out. Was this what the doctor in Jayapura had forewarned that night? My heart was pounding. 
I had to keep going. I ripped down King George Highway as I headed for the 99 to the airport. I was driving erratically. Before pulling up to the 152nd Street, someone actually got out from the vehicle behind me and tried to stop me. A good Samaritan type, I guess. As he opened my door, I hit the gas, switched lanes, and was out of there. I made it to the highway and was en route to the airport. At that moment, it flashed through my mind that I was doing this for my people. Who were we? I wondered. Orange people? I considered my complexion. I didn't have time to think about this. I had to focus. I had a sinking feeling about my plan at that point. After the George Massey Tunnel, I pulled off onto the Steveston exit. I have to ditch the vehicle, I thought to myself on the fly. I pulled into the Safeway parking lot and parked. I hope Bone Rock gets his car back, okay, I thought. I left the keys in the ignition. I ran around the parking lot thinking, how do I get to the airport now? My heart was pounding. I saw a pickup reversing. I'd hitch a ride, I thought, and I threw my bag in it. I tried to hop up until the driver stopped the vehicle and tackled me to the ground. I was brought to the Safeway. The police picked me up. I was put into the back of a police cruiser. It was a Chevy Impala. We drove to the police station. I tried to think, could I talk myself out of this? These were men of the law. Would they listen to reason? I was on their side. I made an attempt. They put me in a cell. They took my clothes. I was in a single cell by myself, naked. It was terrifying. As my mind was racing, was this God testing me? It was the only explanation. I lay down on the floor. I put my arms perpendicular to my sides. It didn't matter. I was ready. How did I get here like this? I lay there and waited. Nothing happened. Something wasn't right. Got up and yelled through the bars. I'm a political prisoner. As I looked up at the camera.